0: Welcome to the Start a Brewery podcast, where we discuss all things relating to startups, open and growing breweries from concept to execution. We are pleased to partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 001, The Dream. I'm Laura Lodge here with Candace Moon, and we're excited to welcome you to our inaugural podcast episode. Our mission today is to discuss the inspiration to open a brewery, that dream as it first presented itself and began to take shape. Where did it begin? How long did you sit on that idea? And what people, hobbies, and other parts of your life contributed to this inspiration? And then, did elements of your original vision, this exciting but perhaps somewhat fuzzy idea, carry forward into your brewery? Our discussion today is the first of many, and our intent is to bring back this original group of brewers to check in about the reality of their journey so you will hear from them again going forward.
1: So our guest today, are, from A to Z, literally, Uh, Ramon Ostamandi has been brewing beer for nearly 25 years, has helped launch three successful breweries, and has been a part of many more. In between various startups, he has assisted more than 35 breweries with planning, facility layout, equipment selection, recipe development, and daily operations. We have Charlie Gottenkenny, who has been homebrewing for 30 years and an award-winning homebrewer, who then co-founded and became the head brewmaster at Brews Beers. He also uh, teaches and does training in the brewing industry uh, in Littleton, Colorado. Uh, Ron Jeffries uh, began studying brewing science in 1991-ish. He began brewing professionally in 1995 and quickly became a well-known and respected brewer in Michigan's emerging craft beer scene. Ron was finally able to open his own brewery with his wife, Lori, Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales in the summer of 2004. And last but not least, Jameel Zainashev, who has been brewing since 1999. Jamil is an award-winning home brewer, author, beer judge, and host of multiple shows on the Brewing Network. Jameel founded Heretic Brewing Company. Ooh, and what year? I knew uh, I was missing something. 2010 in 2010.
2: Okay, so these you were, are you were our... there from the start.
1: I know. <laughs> I have lost all concept of time thanks to COVID. Mm-hmm. It could have been 5 years ago, it could have been 15. Um okay. So, let's jump in. I want as much time with these guys as as we can. So, Ray. Again, I'm just going to go alphabetical. Uh where were you in your life when you had your first glimmer epiphany that you wanted to open a brewery and what did that very first dream look like
3: well I think it was probably around 1995 when I had just begun homebrewing and and I had made my first successful batch which was the toad spit stout from uh, the complete joy of homebrewing and that was the first time people said wow you should open up a brewery and uh, I had absolutely no clue what that even entailed though I tried collecting you know soda kegs and and taking my hand at everything I possibly could while living in a two-bedroom house with 14 guys who want to do nothing but, but drink beer and go snowboarding. Um, but it really came to fruition and then really started to develop around '04 when I came back to San Diego from the Bay Area and uh, joined Quaff and got to meet the likes of uh, you know uh, Skip Virgilio, Peter Zion, uh, all the folks from White Labs. And, and that's really kind of where I, uh, uh, I started taking night classes to get into the UC Davis program. And that's kind of really where it all started for me. And it uh, took a few left turns, right turns, maybe a few U-turns. But it's been an interesting 15 or so years.
1: So can you tell us a bit about what that what did your first dream look like? What did your first career? What was that going to look like?
3: (laughs) Um, Honestly, it, it. the, the first iteration of, of the brewery that we started was just by happenstance, uh, uh, right place, right time kind of a thing. And uh, really, I, I had because I was was born and raised on a very small subset style of beers. Um, I really didn't want to create wild and, and kind of esoteric style that like I really kind of was fascinated with the engineering of it. Um, and so really, it came down to, you know, developing a further, a deeper understanding of the processes that go into brewing um and a love of and passion for the engineering side that i could make the same four or five beers that i did as a home brewer where i had been perfecting them in my garage and simply introduce that to the world because back then at that time you know that dream which is so common uh was possible uh, you know you could go to market with three to four four new beers and which were you know my my you know my mainstay beers that I would always have in my garage were really what we launched the first brewery with, uh, which was a Kulsch beer, an Alt beer, a Hefeweizen, and an IPA. Um, You know, those were my four main homebrew beers that we launched the first brewery with. And luck, luck as luck would have it, you know, that allowed me to kind of further my knowledge in each of those styles and kind of how building breweries can affect the flavors of the finished product, which has been the part of the brewing industry, which I fell in love with. Um, you know, because as an owner, you don't typically get to typically um, focus just on your beers. Um, and I really enjoyed, you know, the, the the challenges of engineering a facility that could work, that could flow. Um, and so I, I, I developed and, and kind of became that boring brewer that stuck with four or five different brews that uh, I'd like to think I did fairly well. Um, but I think I, I, I approached the industry from a different perspective that many others did. Um, mainly from the time that I got into the industry and, and kind of where my focus of what I wanted to do was. Um, I wouldn't mind brewing the same beer over and over and over again till the ends of time. Um, but the industry required a little bit more variety than that. So, um, you know, I think what it looked like was exactly what I made of it because I was the lucky one that came into it from the beginning as an owner. So I got to meld it into whatever I, my vision was which was a very core staple of brews, sprinkled in with some of the more esoteric uh, variants that I got to play with as a home brewer. Uh, but my focus was mainly the production of those core styles that that drove me into uh, you know, the world of
4: beer and, and brewing. Awesome. Charlie, same question. Okay, well, uh, it kind of started when I went to Belgium on a business trip in 1988. First trip to Belgium, never had a Belgian beer before. Had read read uh, on the airplane on the way over, you know, about Belgian beers, there was an article on them. And so I was determined to try a few when I got there. And uh, there happened to be a beer bar in the lobby of my hotel, and uh, <laughs> conveniently. And uh, I tasted a bunch of Belgian beers and absolutely fell in love with them. So uh, I get back to Dallas where I was living at the time and uh, tried to find some Belgian beers and. Pretty much Stella, Duval, and Chimay Blue were the only ones I could find, so I decided to learn how to homebrew so I could make Belgian beers, and I was pretty much self-taught. Um, certainly, uh, uh, Jamil's book, uh books um, uh, were instrumental in uh, my learning process, and I started entering uh, competitions because I felt like that helps you up your game, and I did well with that. Won lots of awards, won homebrewer of the Year twice. And, and, uh, you know, so a lot of people were telling me, oh, you ought to open a brewery. And I wasn't really interested in it until I moved to Denver. Uh, And that was in 2009. Moved to Denver to be with my now wife. And, um, of course, a totally different beer culture in Denver uh, than I experienced in Dallas. And, you know, I started thinking about, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, you know, open a brewery, but I had no idea how to do that. And I happened to be out in California visiting a friend of mine, and I'd taken a bunch of home brews out with me, and we're sitting around drinking them. He said, "You know, I have some money I want to invest, and uh, I'm kind of thinking maybe a brewery." And I said, "Well, let's let's put together a business plan." So we did, and as it turned out, it was a rather naive business plan. We had no idea what a lot of things were going to cost, and and, uh, there were a lot of logistical problems, like water supplies and and things like that. So, uh, we eventually ended up abandoning the the brewery project in California, but in the meantime, I had met Ryan Evans, who is the, the other co-founder of brews at one of my classes that we were doing at uh, Colorado free university on Belgian beers. And we started talking and, uh, you know, decided to, you know, put together a business plan for that. Having learned a little from California, we put together a, a better business plan and, um, You know, uh, we took it from there and I'll I'll save some of that for later on.
1: Awesome. Um, Ron, same question.
5: Um, So I stay on point. Can you repeat the question?
1: I can. I can. So where were you in your life when you had this first glimmer idea that you might want to open a brewery? And then what did that first dream of opening a brewery look like?
5: Well, that's a really big question. And um, <laughs> the other folks have had really wonderful answers And my journey was a little different. Um, I, I did watch a, a friend homebrew uh, before I entered graduate school and it made me think we should open a brewery. So, uh, but I didn't brew myself then um, I started studying um, brewing science roundabout in graduate school. Uh, The University of Michigan did not offer a a program in brewing then, and I don't believe they do now. Um, Eastern Michigan might. But um, so I sort of designed a program that had to do with issues of waste and efficiency and industrial process and uh, focused on the brewing industry and the emerging craft beer industry. Um, It was early 90s. Um, By 95, I, you know, I sent resumes out to everyone, was finally offered a job. So I, I did take a job in the brewing industry before I finished my master's degree. So um, while I studied brewing science in the master's program, I did not complete my degree. So I just want to be clear about that. I do, I do not have a master's of science, but I'm really, I was really close. Uh, so I started brewing beer professionally in 95 and never kind of looked back after that. I figured the University of Michigan would always be there should I decide to complete my graduate degree. And, and it's it still is. Um, but at this point in my life, I'm hoping for an honorary degree. I don't know if that's likely or not, uh, but that's my hope. So the first vision of my own brewery, um, I had been brewing for other folks for about a decade. And that whole time, uh, Lori and I wanted to open our own brewery and we just were imagining what that would look like and i was really fortunate to run into one of the shelton brothers at the brewery that i worked at he was uh bringing around a bottle of cantillon that his brother dan was importing at the time and i said this is fantastic i'd like to try this bottle and he said no no i only have this one and i'm going all around the country he was traveling with an orchestra at the time and he said so we can't open the bottle but let me tell you about it and so that sort of began my Curiosity and journey into sour beer was this unopened bottle of Cantillon from one of the Shelton brothers. So studied up a little bit more on that. And one day Lori and I were talking about our business plan, which we had finished and started to shop around to some banks and, and whatnot. And we were drinking a, a sour beer in the backyard. And it was it was May or, or maybe March, but it was Michigan. So there was still snow on the ground, but it was. It was cold, but it was sunny. And I said, you know, if we could just make beer like this, wouldn't that be something? Nobody else is doing this. You know, there were a few other breweries that were starting to do some Belgian styles, and uh, but nobody was doing 100% oak aged, naturally soured beer. And uh, so she said, well, why don't we? And I looked at her and I said, seriously? And she said, yes. So. We uh, opened Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales uh, in 2004. We were able to open as the, uh, as far as I know, the only 100% spontaneously oak aged sour beer uh, in the US. Now we would do a primary fermentation with regular sack brewer's yeast, but all the souring was naturally occurring in the oak. It was just the dexter bacteria that showed up. And uh, it was a little nervous at first, like how do we know it's going to make good sour beer. But, you know, with my relationship with the Shelton brothers, I had some assurances from uh, from folks that you can make good sour beer anyway. You just have to have good brewing technique. And uh, so that's, that's what I did. You know, I used what I had learned over the prior decade working in breweries. And, you know, and I installed a number of breweries too over that time. And so we put together our brewery on a really tight budget, like I wish I could do that again. How little money we spent <laughs> to put the brewery together was amazing. And we started with one fooder and 21 uh, oak barrels, uh, used bourbon barrels. And uh, and we, we've just grown from there. Now, any given day at Jelly Pumpkin, we have probably 3,100 barrels of beer in oak. Yeah, a little over 3,000, a little less than 3,500. Uh, barrels of beer aging and um it's been a pretty crazy journey to see how what we what we did and started has has come so so far and then to meet people you know along the journey like like Vinny and and lauren from new belgium who started doing the same thing at the same time and we did and tommy arthur too, and too he was the early 2000s too he started doing some barrel aging and we we didn't know each other at the time so we all had to explore this ourselves and come up with our own methods and then it's been really great um, when we get together and we are all doing the same thing that we just stumbled on uh, separately but ultimately together
1: that's awesome and last but not least again Jamil what was your your original vision and when did it uh when did it hit
2: yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's a tough question, because it's kind of like, you know, boiling a frog, you you know, it's just little by little, and you don't notice, eventually, you know, you're being boiled. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I started homebrewing uh, because uh, my neighbor handed me a beer over the fence, and it kind of just blew my mind at, at how good it was. And, um, you know, how easy it was to, to brew at home. And, and that really got me started and and like everybody else it's you know you brew some beer and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad the people who are drinking it for free they're like oh it's the greatest beer in the world you should open a brewery they always say you should open a brewery they don't say oh i'm going to open a brewery they they want you to go through the you know the the pain and the suffering uh you know and they figure they'll get more free beer out of it so uh yeah, i knew that you know my beer was you know not not the best you know when i when i started and so i, I kind of doubted you know the people there to tell me open a brewery but i worked and worked really hard at uh improving my brewing technique and my knowledge of of brewing and brewing various styles and uh during the time then you know i i started uh you know, believing that my beer was was good and that I could do such a thing as open a brewery. But uh my wife Liz, um, anytime I mentioned, hey, you know, we could open a brewery instead of me working in software. And uh she said, no, you have a you have a good job. <laughs> You're gonna keep working at your job. You're not gonna open a brewery. Um so uh, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, I'd seen other breweries, and um, you know, I I didn't have a, you know a, a very specific style like like Ron. Um, I you know believed in brewing. I can brew you know, anything. And I really wanted to brew, you know, every style of beer. So I didn't have anything specific. I didn't wanna brew anything ordinary though. I wanted to brew something, you know, different and unique and really, you know, kind of change the the marketplace through, you know, high quality beers, but, you know, different than what everybody else was serving. So um, in uh, 2009, I ended up uh, leaving the software industry, and uh, I wrote the yeast book in 2009. And then after that, um, you know, Liz was saying, "Hey, you you need a real job. You can't just be writing brewing books and and going to brewing conferences. You can't make money that way." Um, and I said again, "I said, well, you know, well, we could open a brewery." And this time she said, "Well, yeah, all right, go ahead. You know." I, I had a you know a little bit of a plan and um we just kind of went from there but yeah the, the inspiration always has been uh been Liz she's the one who got me the Mr. Beer kit that got me started she's the one that uh you know's been there the whole time and and helped me bottle millions of bottles of of beer by hand and <laughs> send them out to competitions um yeah once I really I calculated out how many Bottles of beer we we brewed together or bottled together, and it was some really outrageous number. I mean, it's in the in the tens of thousands by hand, um, and <laughs> may maybe over a hundred thousand. It, it was a lot, and uh, she she did it all with me. And so um, yeah, we ended up opening the brewery in in twenty ten, end of twenty ten.
1: Great. Okay, so one thing I've noticed from all of you, and maybe it's because brewing is such a, you know, important part of your background. Did any of you have a clear vision of what you wanted? The marketing, the, the was there a tap room? Was there going to be a restaurant? A, a vision of the other side, the front of the house? Um, or were you really just focused on the beer with a, you know, and I'm sure some of you had partners who might have had the, the vision for the other part.
2: I was focused on on just the beer and my initial you know thought was and back in in 2010 you could still do this I wanted to just open a packaging brewery. I didn't want to have a tap room. I didn't want to deal with that because that's a whole nother separate business that you have to run. you know you have the brewing business and then you have the tap room business. And so I wanted to just do the packaging brewery and that that was it. but pretty soon learned that. In the in the new marketplace you can't do that
5: i would, I would, agree. I would say that that's how i started is uh you know i'm kind of the crazy artist want to be in the background but i mean i was forced to not be and i'm actually good at not being in the background too but we didn't have a tap room i didn't want a tap room we barely had a retail area i don't know what i was thinking it was uh really not the best way to start a business not a not not the Good way to start a brewery. I mean, as Jamil said, you need a tap room now. You need a front facing. Um, I did do some marketing. I worked with a local artist so that we came up with kind of a thematic look to all of our labels. So we did have some cohesiveness to the marketing, so to speak. But really, um, it was, uh, yeah, it was more about the beer. And I probably should have, knowing what I know now, I should have spent more time on those front of the house issues than than I did, Um, you know, I had read a couple of books on strange chocolate makers. And I was like, this is what I wanna do is I'm gonna put paper over my windows and no one's gonna know that I'm in the brewery and it's Mm -hmm. gonna be fine. Um, I didn't put paper over the windows because I like natural light, but it was kind of like, yeah, we barely had a retail area. And uh, now we know we need all that front of the house stuff. So I would recommend people starting Think about that, too. I mean, even if you really are just only interested in great beer, think about how it has to look, how the consumer is going to see it. How are they going to enjoy it? Are they coming to your place? Are you distributing? What does that mean? Uh, What are the the, the laws in your state or other states that can facilitate that? It's it's a complicated business. So um, more education is always a good thing. For sure.
1: Charlie, Ray, did either of you have a Vision beyond just the beers. Well, yeah, I, mean, you know, I have any idea
3: of what I. Oh, well,
4: go ahead, Charlie.
1: Sorry, <laughs>
4: Charlie. But yeah, we started out, you know, in 2016. So uh, we started out with the idea of having tap rooms, and we have two now, and um, uh, hopefully more down the road as a way of expansion. Um, Had not really thought that much about, you know, wholesaling beer. And so, uh, but we were worried about both front and and back of house. And we knew we didn't want a restaurant because that's not a business we have any expertise in. And uh, so we have snacks to stuff at the brewery, but you can bring in stuff if you want. But we we set out to make really good tap rooms. And, you know, uh, it's really your most profitable business is in the tap room, uh, serving beers across the bar. So um, we did that for a long time before we got into canning and distribution and all. That's kind of how we got started out. and gotcha. I, I I was the brewing side. My business partner was more the business side. he's he's the MBA and you know he worked on a lot of that stuff. Got it.
1: And Ray, actually, so tell me so I, your third brewery, I feel like I feel like was really your vision more yeah. maybe than the other two.
3: But it was, it was much more of a, yes, I mean, it was, you know, I celebrate my many falls from graze that hadn't killed me at that point. Um, But, it it, you know, it was everything that I had learned up to that point. And and so when I got started in 07, the taproom experience was not even legal yet. You know, you were still selling one ounce samples for a dollar and you can only have four or so a day. I mean, remember the days back at Homebrew Mart uh, off Linda Vista and... uh, you know they were you know ballast Point was born out of there, and they were, you know, able to eke out a little bit of money that probably brought in extra funds. But uh, you know, 07, that wasn't permitted. So when we got started, we were essentially partnering with a restaurant that had equipment they weren't using. You know, the, the flip side of today, where you see a lot of breweries partnering with restaurants to operate the food side of their business so that they can operate with a brew pub. Um, you know, by the time we started number three, it was definitely, Hey, you know we can start off with a much lower capital investment if we have a thriving tap room, and that tap room can help us grow organically into something that will eventually provide enough money to uh, to fund the operation. But uh, yeah, it's it, uh, it it. I think by number three, that the tap room experience was essential given the the lack of capital that we were coming to table with.
1: Gotcha. So. Let's just move right into the the next question. And Ray, I'll stick with you. So was there, so, and this applies to any of the breweries that you helped open. Was there a specific kind of catalyst or event or what was the thing that made you go, okay, I can really do this. This isn't just a dream. I can make this happen.
3: Well, to, to get into the industry, that was, you know, the very first instance where where a friend was working. He was bartending at uh, uh, a restaurant that used to be a brew pub, a famous old brew pub in La Jolla. And he said, hey, you know, we're not we're not using the equipment here. You know, would you want to come in and brew once or twice a week so that we can keep our license? And I said, yeah, I'd love to. So my friend went to the owner and said, hey, I, I got a buddy that brews great beer in his garage. You know, he can come in and uh, brew brew beer here. And so the owner said, ah, oh, there's no way your buddy can go from this garage to this. There's just no way. And so I told my friend who I eventually partnered with, and he went into that same restaurant, asked to speak with the owner and said, hey, I'm starting a brewery. You know, I have a brewer. We've got a brand, but we don't have equipment. How about we partner up and we'll split the profits 50-50? Unbeknownst to that poor owner, he was getting the same guy to come in and brew for him, but now he's got to split the profits with this other guy. So when that whole opportunity came around, I I remember having uh, lunch with my father and my brother at the rock bottom in La where I used to work. And uh, my dad explained to me that he said, look, if I didn't have YouTube runs, I would have done things totally differently. But uh, when you get to be my age, you don't want to sit back and and think you could have, you should have, you would have. You want to say I did. And so that was really the push that uh, that gave me the courage to take the leap. Uh, I had a career in telecommunications prior to that. I was married. And, uh, as soon as I took a leap, that all fell out from underneath me and went away. So, uh, you know, you kind of had to fight to survive to that point. And, and luckily I did it in an era of the industry where, you know, it didn't take that much to survive. You know, it was still that era where if you, if you brew it, they'll, they'll buy it. And, uh, you know, it's a stark con- in stark contrast to what it looks like today. Um, you know, but that catalyst was my father and his faith in me and, uh, I think that was what got it all started. and and from there, it was really hard to go back.
1: <laughs> got it. Charlie, was there yeah, any specific was- thing that kicked off kicked you into gear?
4: Well, yeah, it was uh, actually getting started on the California project. and uh, I mentioned that uh, we had kind of a naive business plan. We had no idea what a lot of stuff was going to cost and how much money it was going to take. And uh, ultimately, um, uh, our backers uh, couldn't, you know, couldn't really put up the money that we needed in order to uh, put the thing together. So we ended up abandoning it, uh, and there were some other issues too. And we just decided to, you know, to cut and run before we uh, put any more money into it. And so that was that was a good experience, but that also gave me enough experience planning a brewery to come back to Denver and meet up with. My now business partner and um, you know kind of do it right. So we put together a much better business plan, and uh, which I think is essential to any good business. And still, if you if I look back on it, uh, it had its flaws. Um, we got a lot of surprises once we started actually doing it and putting putting walls up and all. Uh, we grossly underestimated uh, the build-out costs and and things like that. But anyway, we've uh, we've gotten through that, and we've now gotten more into, you know, multiple tap rooms and distribution. And, um, you know, so, uh, we had a, we had a much more viable business. We started the brewery in, in 2015 and opened for business in July of 2016. And we've maintained our Belgian identity. We decided we wanted that as our, as our niche. And, uh, we both have a passion for Belgian beers. Uh, We take tour groups over to Belgium every year and take 10 days and just go around the breweries on a big Mercedes bus and uh, drink a lot of beer, eat a lot of great food, have a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm big on Belgian culture as well as as Belgian beer. And uh, that's, I think, you know, that niche is really critical to moving forward.
1: Nice. Ron, was there a, other than Laurie agreeing to go on the ride with you, was there anything else that really kind of helped you m- make that shift from dream to reality?
5: Well, I think I think so. Um, I started a little different, it seems, than a, than a lot of folks, but uh, maybe Ray, similar. Uh, I, as I said, I, I have worked for other folks for about a decade before I started my own brewery, and I was really fortunate that I was able to help install a number of breweries before I did my own and uh, do sort of the commissioning and, and training of brewers and um, service staff and things like that. So I had a lot of background going into it that made me very confident. And I would say, unfortunately, overconfident and that I underestimated how difficult it would be to sell the amount of beer I needed to be to. To stay profitable, so I would say that uh, I knew all along that that's what I wanted to do, and um, I developed a skill set that allowed Lori and I to open the brewery. But unfortunately, I was also very naive to a lot of the business side, and made it you know we, you know we had, it's just like it sounds like everybody we had kind of a scramble to figure out how to make ends meet. Um, we brought in some partners, we opened some restaurants, so. You know, we expanded our line to not just be sour, but to do some uh, IPAs. We do like so much IPA right now; it's uh, you know, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, we um, kind of knew from getting into brewing that I wanted to open my own place and develop a skill set to help me accomplish that. And yet, I still was uh, very naive once I did open my own business. Yeah, learned a lot. <laughs> and I, I think still- we all can I mean, relate to that
1: brewery or not.
5: <laughs> I still feel that way. I mean, Laurie and I are looking at some other things right now, and I still feel like uh, it's all new to me. It's all a beginning. Um, and it's like, I wonder what I've been doing the last 26 or 30 years and while well, I've been making beer, but I haven't been learning about um, other aspects of life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice. Jamil, I know that you um, had an all-up prop yeah. to, to launch Heretic before really moving into your own space. Can you talk a little bit about, about that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, the 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 time before opening Heretic, uh, you know, I, I met a lot of other people through you know, the brewing network through competitions through homebrew clubs and things like that so i became you know very familiar with a lot of the people in the industry in the local area and um uh, one friend of mine uh when uh liz said i could open a brewery one friend of mine he was struggling to get a new brewery up and, and running. He had a brewery, but he was building out a larger space and new new property. And and uh, he had been struggling at it for for years. And uh, so I approached him and said, hey, you know, you've got more room than you can use. I'll, I'll come in and, and finish building the brewery and, um, you know, we can share the space and I'll put my tanks in here and you put your tanks there and we'll you know we'll, we'll we'll share the brew plant so uh he agreed to that and it was a you know a far less expensive way to get started which I think helped me because otherwise I think you know to go into just a you know a blank space and, and build out a brewery which which I did later it's um I don't think I would have done that, that when first starting out, and so having that that uh, alternating proprietorship available uh, really was kind of the the catalyst that made us uh, you know take a step forward and actually you know put uh, uh, start putting uh, beer in tanks. Awesome, um,
1: and so then going to actually opening your own facility. I mean, mm-hmm. were you able to put in place the vision you had in mind?
2: Yeah, well, you know, when when we, you know, when I opened the first first spot, you know, uh sharing the spot with my friend there, um, you know, I did things that that I wanted, you know, from the very first beers. I mean, we were doing barrel-aged uh funky beers and we we're doing, you know, a, a whole a whole, you know, catalog of things. Uh, cause I had the room there and that just ran out of room. We, we started selling beer fairly quickly and within six months, we knew we didn't have enough space, uh, for tanks and things like that. So that's when I looked for the, the other facility and building out the other facility and, um, there I, I spent, um, you know, a good amount of time checking every city, every place, you know, around until I found the right city for us and the right location. And then, yeah, it was an empty building. So, oh, empty warehouse. So I was able to uh, uh, do it the way I wanted it. And uh, worked out great. Um, it only took about four months from uh, breaking ground to having beer. Um, so uh, and it's a good sized facility you've been there. Uh, mm-hmm. so we, we did pretty quick. I learned a lot, you know, in building the the first place uh, uh, for my friend. Um, I learned a lot of what, what to do and what not to do. And that's really what gave me the, the idea, you know, we, we suffered with, uh, no loading dock at that first place on a, on a sloped street. So you had to, you know, putting things into a truck that's, you know, facing uphill, you know, it makes it hard to push it out. So you have to try and get the trucks facing downhill so you can load in. And <laughs> up, and when you want to get stuff out, they better be facing uphill so you can get it back out. And then all the traffic and the cars, and so uh, you know you learn a lot um, in the process. You know, like Ron was saying, you, you learn more than than brewing and and building a brewery. You, you know, it's it's information that you know, uh, like Ray was saying, he's now applying to his house, you know, <laughs> sweating copper in his house because you know he learned to do it at a brewery. So it's, the only way I could afford it that's an amazing, it's amazing education, you know, opening, opening a business and, and a brewery is, is, is that plus, I think.
1: For sure. So I have one last direct question for you because you did eventually also add a distillery to Hmm. your brewery, uh, or premises. And so was that something, had you thought about having a distillery in
2: the very beginning?
1: Did that come along later as an idea or,
2: um, you know, uh, I didn't have the idea early on, but um, fairly early on, uh, my friend uh, Brendan Moylan, he has a distillery, and he would he would take some of our waste beer and uh, process. And he's like, you know, you should open a distillery. And also um, uh, Yusuf at Ballast Point, he told me he's like, hey, you know, set up a distillery. You can <laughs> process your old beer and and turn it into cash. That's great. And so, uh, with the two of them telling me to do it, then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's it's like a whole nother thing to learn, with lots of shiny equipment and uh, you know challenges. It's like, well, why not? You know, I've, I've got the one hole in my head from the brewery. Might as well have a second. You know, turn my head into a wiffle ball. Um, and so, I mainly started a distillery just to, just for that, just for the you know the challenge and the thrill of it. And then pretty quickly realized that uh, the market is is trending towards uh, cocktails and distilled products. And so that got us in fairly early and was was really helpful. But you know, the passion on the distillery was just learning something new again, which uh you know, you always learn in brewing, but um, it was it was great.
5: awesome yeah, i would I would second second that we. When we started opening some restaurants, we added a distiller's permit in 2009 and um, winemakers as well and started making distilled spirits and ciders and wine and things like that. And um, recently we did bring all the spirit making down to Dexter and it's been really exciting to start learning new stuff and uh doing that and you know proofing and and bottling that and and, then ironically we bottle the spirits on the same well newer but essentially the same filler that we started with at jolly pumpkin a little gravity six head filler and uh capping by hand and all the things we used to do only now with spirits and i would also say that yeah the ready to drink cocktails and things are just growing up so so fast and so rapidly, and it's it is exciting to learn new things. it's It's just a really fantastic journey for us adding the you know distilling to our our brewing uh, facility.
1: So to some extent, it sounds like that with uh, you have to kind of pay attention to industry trends and the vision, your original vision has to potentially change a little bit depending on the reality of the the marketplace you're going into
2: yeah if you're not willing to be flexible if you're not willing to you know alter your path you're you're just going to hit a wall at some point i think you know it's it, the the market keeps changing you know the world keeps changing and you need to change with it and it you know it changes rapidly
5: what i like to tell my staff all the time when we're coming up with new ideas and people are challenged by like the newness of a concept is like we deal in fluids we everything we do is liquid That means it's constantly changing it's constantly flowing one way or the other it's liquid so we can adapt or as Jamil said we can not and you know I think adaptation is ultimately going to be more successful for the longevity of any business
1: for sure okay so I think at this point we're gonna start wrapping up so um, for final words of wisdom, here's, here's what I would be interested to, to ask If uh, and, and I know some of this has already been covered, but what do you wish you knew then that, you know, now, or what do you know now that you wish you'd known then?
3: Ray. Oh gosh. Uh, that, that's the title of my own book. Um, yeah, no, um, there's too much. There, there's too many life lessons that I've learned. And I unfortunately learned most of them in the industry. Um, but, you know, if if you don't know why you're doing it, you don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, you've got to have the tenacity. You've got to be prepared for failure. The first iteration may not always work. Um, you know, and that's really going to test your mettle. You know, how many times can you fail and get back up and get back in the game and, and try it again? It's it's not the easy world. You know, back in the day, we were paving our own way. Now it's a fully fledged industry where you've got cutthroat marketing and and behemoths that are, you know, marching side by side and right over you, Uh, you know, so it's a a different industry than it was when I got into it. And I'm lucky to have ridden the wave long enough to not be out of my own territory. But if you think, you know, I see a lot of people trying to get into this industry uh, without really understanding and, and why they're doing what they're doing. And I think that without knowing why you're doing it, you're going to just get caught chasing your tail. And uh, and this industry will gobble you up. And uh, I've seen it. So pay attention.
1: Got it. Charlie, what do you wish, what do you know now you wish you'd known then when you were starting and had your vision?
4: I wish I'd known more about uh, having not worked in the brewing industry other than, you know, doing some pro-am brews and stuff like that. Coming out of home brewing, uh, what I didn't know is uh, the economics of a brewery, and you know, and that includes not only back of the house but front of house. A lot of times, you know, I was focused on brewing the beer, making the product, and you know, uh, in order to do that, you really need to understand the financials. So, you know, one, my first recommendation to anybody is come up with a great business plan, work it, rework it, rework it again. Figure out how much you need to make the business viable, and then double it, and then uh, <laughs> make sure you've got financing. You know, have your financing lined up because you don't want to end up running out of money uh, six months into the uh, into the project. Excellent,
5: Ron. Yeah, I mean, I, I just have to echo what uh, Charlie and Ray have said. Uh, you you need to know what you want to do but you also need to be flexible and you need to change as 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 that is needed you need to fail and um, and then keep going and fail again and then keep going and have a great understanding of the financials you can't know enough about it Um, as boring as that might be to somebody who rather makes hot liquid that then cools down and turns into beer. Um, you, you need to de- know that to have a successful business and to be more flexible. As I said earlier, if I had opened with a tap room, it would have been a whole different business model and, and ended up, I mean, well, it's not over yet, but be in a different spot than we are right now. And um, now that we have tap rooms and spirits and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, it's kind of uh, try, think outside of the box, but know what you want to do, but don't be too stubborn to change, to be successful.
1: Excellent. Jamil, what do you know now you wish
5: you'd known then?
2: Oh, how horrible distribution is. <laughs>
5: oh, it's the worst. <laughs> it distributors. The worst.
2: There are some really wonderful distributors out there and wonderful people. That that you can trust and 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 you work as partners, but there's a lot of really horrible distribution people out there and distribution partners that you know it's it's just about the money for them and you know it's not about anything about the product or the industry and and that's really hurtful and really you know the worst part of owning a brewery is distribution. You know, um, like Ron was saying, uh, if if I had it to do over again, I would have started with a tap room and a smaller brewery and, and we started with you know a brew length of 37 barrels um, which you know you have to distribute you can't can't really move that much beer through a tap room that quickly. So um, it, it forced us to to do distribution. So if I if I had known what back then what I know now, I would have started. A completely different model i would have started you know small tap room i'd you know i'd have the, the you know the spirits license all that stuff um that's that's the way i'd start today and like Ron's saying you know be flexible you have to you have to be able to pivot instantly you know the you know there's there's the quick and the dead that's that's breweries
1: gotcha well thank you gentlemen it's been very uh enlightening and really interesting.
2: Thank you.
5: Well, thank you. Thank you very I'd,
2: much. I'd say one thing. In addition, if anybody is thinking of opening a brewery, and you know has that that wish and that pride or that 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 thought in the back of their minds, um, you know, do it. Uh, take the first step. You know, the you don't have to open a brewery instantly with everything. Just take the first step. One little step towards opening a brewery, then take the next one and the next one, and eventually you'll have a brewery open. But uh, I, you know, go ahead and do it. Um, I agree
5: 100%. I tell everybody that I know and everyone that works for me is, you need to open your own brewery, mm-hmm. and then you will understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but do you know? Do it if if it's your passion. You know, I think Charlie was saying earlier. You know, uh, you know, don't 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 not do it. You know, you'll regret not doing it more than you'll you'll regret the the challenges that that face you opening a brewery so go absolutely. ahead and brewery.
5: yeah absolutely
0: true to raise dad right you want to you want to do it you don't want to yeah, wish
3: i did it. Yeah, it probably the one thing i'll admit to yeah there you
0: know. go well and, and charlie i think you know how many people have written a business plan and then written another business plan and then realize that business plan doesn't work. Yeah. Ron's raising his <laughs> hand. Um, I, I, if you start to Jamil's point, if you start, make that business plan and, and see what it looks like, but pay attention to what it says. Um, and maybe and it's, not, go ahead.
4: And adapt it over time.
0: Right. Right. Until it's feasible. Yes. <laughs> until it's feasible. Excellent. Awesome. My well, only you. advice
1: on that one and only because I heard someone say this is don't, um, don't shift the numbers around just because you think investors won't like the real numbers. Mm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a bad idea.
0: <laughs> that is yeah. a bad idea. That that probably is at the top of the list of bad ideas. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, a big thank you to all of you and a big thank you to all of our listeners, both now and in the future, for joining us for episode 001 of the Start of Beret podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode, 002 taking the dream a little bit further with your initial gut check. By gut check, we mean the critical questions that you should ask yourself as you make the decision to move forward with your dream. These are the deal breakers, the alarm bells to respect, the signals that should be heated when you consider making your dream a reality. And we just talked about some of those. Episode 002 will be released on Tuesday, January 16th, first thing in the morning. While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Start a Brewery website at www.startabrewery.com, our free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their brewery. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process, plan, act, open, and grow, at the educational resources and at the offerings from our savvy contributors in our growing library. You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Start a Brewery contributors, content events and more great information on the contact page of the website we also encourage you to explore the all about beer website at www.allaboutbeer.com and perhaps pop in to enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well in the meantime this has been Laura Lodge and Candace Moon wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery